It is Wednesday, the third day of August, 2022, and there's a lot going on here. Um, I say here is a, you know, sort of a royal here, you know? Hmm. Off to a great start, eh? Um, let's see, what's going on? Uh, Ted Cruz is still a piece of shit. Apparently Batgirl doesn't exist, and it's about to be fucking hotter than rats fucking in a wool sock. Uh, but there's even more happening in the old toy aisle of life sports. Uh, it is with great sadness that we all heard about the passing of Bill Russell last week, and then, I'm sorry, earlier this week, and then on Tuesday, uh, Vin Scully uh, passed away. Uh, both lived long, productive, and valuable lives with uh, immeasurable, immeasurable, immeasurable <sighs> contributions to humanity as a whole. Uh, both could certainly earn a spot on the top 10 humans list the next time that comes around. And it will come around again. Uh, Twitter is, is certainly a cesspool, but it's an invaluable source of uh, up-to-the-minute information and then to a lower degree, uh, human connection. So this week has been full of stories from all kinds of people talking about the impact of both. Earlier this week, of course, Bill Russell was all about uh, civil rights and, and reflections about how he was treated while he was in Boston, which I wasn't alive then, so I don't really know. But you hear these things and you wonder to yourself, what the fuck was going on? Apparently, someone broke into his house at, uh, at one point and literally shit in his bed. Shit in his bed. Seems a lot of folks uh, in the city did not care for the fact that Bill Russell uh, was um, married to white women or, or dating white women. Which I've never understood. Maybe if you weren't fucking... Oh, whatever. Um... And then, you know, so people are, are going to be surprised when he moved clear across the country to Washington State after he was done with the Celtics, or that he didn't give a solitary shit about a statue here. Statue here. Um, I read a quote, uh, which I don't remember exactly, but Tommy Heinsohn actually said it. It was basically, you know, the guy, all he did was win, yet there was a, there's a fucking tunnel named after Ted Williams. Which, if you think about it, it's kind of funny. The fact that he didn't simply tell the Celtics to fuck off every time they called is, is surprising, but he's a better human than most, so. He also played in 21 winner-take-all games uh, throughout his, not just, you know, professional career, but his life. So all the NCAA games, which apparently for two years he did not lose a single college game. Uh, Olympic medal round games, best of fives, best of sevens in the NBA, and he won them all. So in in final games, winner take all, 21-0. Never lost. Amazing. Uh, not having grown up on the West Coast or any, you know, in, in the western half of the country, I don't have the same vivid Vin Scully memories as others, but my first uh, recollection of him was during the 1986 World Series. And that call that he had uh, in Game 6. 
<laughs> the ball gets behind the bag. Through Buckner, the ball gets behind the bag. Classic. Uh, we know how that turned out. Uh, I did not realize that he was actually on the TV call for CBS in 1992 for the catch by Dwight Clark. And, of course, his call during the 88 World Series and, and Kirk Gibson's home run may be one of the most memorable of all time. He was the seminal voice of baseball. The voice. So it's a pretty sports-heavy show today. Partially because um, I've been lazy the past week and haven't written anything down. But, you know, it's uh, the Patriots slash uh, NFL, a little bit of West Ham, and probably way too much Red Sox talk. But that's all right here, right now, on episode 127 of Complaints and Observations. Still the most less-than-average podcast on the internet. With a host who's the smartest person in the room when he's the only one there. A continuing odyssey into mediocrity. Guaranteed to make you question your life choices and your own sanity. This is Complaints and Observations. With Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. Hey, what's going on? Listen. Have you seen Aaron Rodgers' tattoo? I don't know if we talked about this before. What a fucking weird-ass guy. <laughs> He's Everybody knows um, an Aaron Rodgers type of person, right? Where they try so hard to be different. You know what I mean? They try really fucking hard. To be different. And look, there's nothing wrong with being different. In in really, in reality, there's nothing wrong with trying to be different. It's just that the effort is, in some cases, uh, incredibly evident. I, that's probably the best way to put it. I, I mean, I don't know. But man, what a fucking try hard. And he's... It's, and it, it, the stupid tattoo could mean something to him. I'm sure it does, and I hope it does. But fucking Christ's sakes, buddy. Like, just stop. <laughs> Can't you just be a quarterback? What is it with Green Bay? Green Bay, by the way, if you've never been, and I've mentioned this before, an outstanding place to, to visit. Just, I mean, I had a fucking blast there, and I, I, I want to go back. Wisconsin as a whole is something that I thoroughly, I love Wisconsin. Beer, cheese, football. That's Wisconsin. And holy fuck, man, what a what a great place. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers, huh? Anyways, how are you? How's things going? Good? Everybody's good? How's your family? How's your mom? She good? Tell her I said hello. 
Uh, today, uh, I'm going to stumble through uh, something uh, similar to a program or something, a close approximation of, a, of an entertaining uh, venture here, mainly because I am woefully ill-prepared, less prepared than I normally am. And normally, I am woefully unprepared, but today, even less so. Why? I, I don't know. Partially because I'm terrible at this. That's one. Two, I'm lazy. So it's probably just those two things. But the good news is, there's stuff to talk about. Uh, and it'll all be off the top of the dome. It's a couple things I wrote down, but not much. Another good thing is I have some voicemails. Very excited for voicemails. In fact, well, not really. I'll get to them in a second. But one thing that, that I literally just saw. Um, Ivana Trump died a couple weeks ago. And I, I'm guessing you saw that. Which, you know, tragedy. Apparently she fell down the stairs. <clears throat> <clears throat> yep. She fell down the stairs. <clears throat> Anyways, her ex-husband and her children um, have decided that she should be buried, not in a cemetery, not in a family plot of some kind, but literally uh, on the golf course that, uh, that, that the family owns in New Jersey. Which, from what I've read, basically means that they can claim that the property is no longer a golf course, but a cemetery. And not have to pay the same uh, tax rate. Now look, I I've made my um, opinions of this man known several times um, throughout the, the, the history of this god-awful show. In whatever relationship uh, the two of them had, which my guess is has not been good for a very long time, but, you know, common sense would tell you that you don't bury the mother of your children on your golf course. Am I am I out of line there? I don't think so. Common sense, decency would tell you that you probably shouldn't do that. And here's the other thing too. Uh Dollars to Donuts, that that gets moved at some point. She's gonna get moved uh into a, a proper final resting place, if I had to guess. Could be further down the road, but that just struck me as of all the fucking like dirty fucking tricks that this guy has pulled over the years, now he's going to try to claim that his fucking golf course is a cemetery because he put his fucking ex-wife in the ground there. Just try to wrap your head around that for a second. Oh, man. God, this fucking country is just so stupid. So fucking stupid. Also stupid. The Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about the Dolphins uh, quickly. So, 
Uh, they were punished yesterday for uh, tampering violations, where they were tampering, allegedly, well, found to be factually, um, with Tom Brady to try to bring Tom Brady to Miami to not only play quarterback, but to be partial owner of the team. And this took place in the summer of 2019, which apparently is when Tom uh, decided he no longer wanted to play for the Patriots. And when he went through the motions in that particular season, after they started the season 8-0, they sucked for the rest of the year. For a variety of different reasons. But, you know, one of them was that Tom did not have the same, uh, you know, oomph, get up and go. Uh, these the same drive, if you will, that he had in previous seasons, probably because he knew that he was leaving. My biggest issue is is with the team. The team fucked it up. They could have just fucking paid the guy, and it would have been fine. He'd still be here, for Christ's sakes, and they'd probably still be winning. But no, they decided not to. And I say they, and it may not have been Bob Kraft, but, you know, by extension, it was. You know, because Bob could have fucking told Belichick, look, we're not letting this guy go. We're not letting him go. We're going to re-sign him. And if you don't like it, too goddamn bad. If you don't like it, there's the door. I mean, that's what they should have done. And no offense to Bill, best coach of all time. But that those are facts. Is that they should have and could have chosen the quarterback over the coach, but they chose not to. So here we are. Too many people are blaming Tom Brady for this. I really can't. I mean, I can to a point. Here's the thing. I can't blame him for talking to the Dolphins, but I can blame him for not giving his all throughout the course of that season. I paid for season tickets, and and he just kind of went out there and went through the motions. So if anything, I'm owed. (laughs) I'm owed a refund. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, he's not at fault for any of this. The Patriots are at fault. We could, there there could be none of this had they just realized that, A, he's the best quarterback to, not just quarterback, the best player, well, maybe not, but the best quarterback to ever play the game, and B, that he was woefully underpaid for 20 years. So you got 20 years of value, six Super Bowl uh, championships, and now all you had to do was double his salary, and you'd probably still be winning Super Bowls. But no, you, you chose to get rid of him, and then you made Cam Newton a sacrificial lamb, and now you've got Mac Jones, who an entirely serviceable quarterback. And I think he's going to get better. I think he'll be fine, but he's not Tom Brady. And I don't, you know. Happy birthday, Tom, by the way. He's 45 fucking years old. <laughs> I remember when we were kids, like, uh, you hear about George Blanda, who played until he was 46. And you'd be like, whoa, 46. And then Warren Moon, I think, played till he was 40. Whoa, he's 40. And now this fucking guy, not only is he playing till he's 45, but he's, you know, an MVP candidate. At 45, he's making a mockery of the game, is what he's doing. Back to the Dolphins, though. Fuck the Dolphins, okay? Uh, Fuck that owner, Stephen Ross. He's a piece of shit. 
thinking, you know, that they can get away with it, number one. And then number two, they basically did get away with it. And the fucking league is like, oh, uh, we don't we don't really believe that he was serious when he when he told fucking uh, Brian Flores that he would pay him a uh, hundred grand for every game that he lost. Like, oh, that was that was a joke. Ha 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 ha. Fuck off. Like, he's the owner of the team. He can't be making those jokes. What do you, you, you can't do that. But, you know, they let him off. Oh, you're suspended for a month. Oh, boy, you suspended the owner. Look what, look what you did. Take a look at the other owner you've suspended. Dan Snyder, who's avoiding subpoenas while floating off a, a, a floating on a, oh, fuck. <laughs> Living on a boat, floating in the Mediterranean. Ooh, you're suspending an owner. And you're fining him $1.5 million. Why even bother? Don't even announce it. Just call it an undisclosed sum. So stupid. But, you know, and that's what gets me about fucking sports sometimes. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. It, and I shouldn't say that. It does make sense in that uh, the owners, especially now, the owners can get away with fucking murder, and it doesn't matter. You know, oh, they lost the first round pick. Oh, big deal. They have another one. They've got they've got the 49ers draft in perpetuity for moving up uh, two seasons ago. So that's useless. Who gives a fuck? It's just crazy. Stupid. <laughs> the whole thing is so dumb. Oh, man. Anywho. Uh, yeah. Yo, Dave. Thankfully. I got an observation. I hope you and your other listeners are betting against the Red Sox and taking the other team's money uh, run line because I am making bank. Fuck that team. Goodbye. Thank you, Scott. Scott Banksley chiming in uh, as he's wont to do by telling everybody uh, how good he is at gambling. So thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I have bet against the Red Sox occasionally, probably not as much as Scott. Um, but he's a thousand percent right. Had you been, you know, taking the the, the other team's money line, all, all uh, run line, I should say, all year long, you probably would be uh, doing pretty well. And especially... In, in the month of July, you, you would double your money, literally. If you bet against them every night, you'd double your money. Uh, I've been saying for a while how bad this team is, and they stink. I don't care what they did uh, the last few nights in Houston. Um, as, as I record this, uh, they're currently, I'm pretty sure they're getting no hit at the moment, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um Yep, they are they are getting no hit as we go into the five no hit innings so far for your Boston Red Sox. Good fucking grief! The kid that's pitching is um, uh, Jose uh, Urquidy, I think that's how it's pronounced. <clears throat> Urquidy, and uh, he did a number on them last year or the year prior, but you know. I don't anticipate him throwing a no-hitter, but one can never tell. 
yesterday was the the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. And so here's the thing, okay? I think myself and most people, by the time the weekend rolled around, you thought, okay, they're gonna they're gonna move some players, right? They're gonna move guys that uh, do not have contracts for next year. They're a free pending free agents. The only one they weren't gonna move was Xander Bogots, and they said that they weren't gonna move him. And I think part of the reason is that he's going to be re-signed. Now, um, my buddy Matt has a has a mole, whom he refers to as Dominican Scoops McGee. Who's got who's got connections and ties within the uh, Dominican baseball Illuminati, and he says that um, it's looking as if uh, Xander is going to resign here. So it'll be interesting to see if that is the case. I certainly hope so because I think he he's as close to um, I don't want to say I don't want to call him a marquee player because I don't I think that's Devers. I think. That Bogarts is that um, you know that that one guy that hangs around, sticks around, is really good, not great, but very good, and is the face of your team, right? In a in a sort of a Jason Veritek-ish mold, and I say ish because Bogarts is a better player than Veritek, even you know two different positions, but Veritek defensively was all world. He can call a game or could call a game better than anybody else. Maybe the best ever. No joke. I'm not even, I'm dead serious. Five no hitters? That's ridiculous. But in, but Bogart's in that mold where when you think of the Red Sox, you think Xander Bogart's. And that's how I think it's going to be for the next five years. I think he sticks around. They sign him to a reasonable deal, nothing crazy. And then hopefully that'll get Devers to stick around too if they're willing to pay him. The baseline was set this week. Austin Riley of the Braves, 10 years, 212 or 220, something like that. So that's, you know, 21 and change. That's the base. Devers is a $30 million a year ball player in today's market. That's just how it is. Um, But as I was saying, the trade deadline. So you would think that a team in the Red Sox position, they would start trading off players. And so, uh, you know, you're going to see your Christian Vasquez's who did get moved. You're going to see, uh, you know, you should see like Jackie Bradley, uh, Valdi, J.D. Martinez. In theory, if you were a seller, if you were a team that knew you weren't going to advance to the playoffs, that you would start moving some of these um, expendable parts, Right. And that was sort of uh, the first thing that you saw when you saw Vasquez get moved. Now, the problem there's there's a number of problems. All right, he was the only one that got traded. As as if you're listening to this, you probably know full well that he was the only one of that bunch of guys who were free agents at the end of the year that was traded. He was the only one. Word on the street is that they asked for far too much for Nate Baldi. Far too much. And I've not heard anything. I mean, they kept saying all day uh, on Tuesday that that Bradley was going to get moved, which is the reason they brought in Tommy Pham. That's another story. So the fact that they didn't do it left you scratching your head. Now, the big move yesterday, or Tuesday, I should say, 
was uh, Juan Soto. And Juan Soto moving from uh, the Nationals to the Padres. The original deal included first baseman of the Padres, Eric Hosmer. But Mr. Hosmer had a no-trade clause or, or, or basically a uh, what they term a partial no-trade in that he had a list of teams that he did not want to go to. Turns out the Nationals were on that list. So apparently they tried to convince him to waive it. He said no. And then Heim Bloom comes swooping out of nowhere and says, hey, we'll take Hosmer. And honestly, the, the, it's, it's, it's so infuriating to me. And it has nothing to do with the player at all. Because I tell you what, I like Hosmer as a player. He fills a massive need here. And it's a need that they've had for two fucking years. And that is a first baseman who can actually play first base. And who is not going to give away at bats. And that's Eric Hosmer. I don't care if he's fucking 33 or 34, however old he is, whatever. He is a professional first baseman. Very good in the locker room. And fills a need. But they created another giant hole in their team by moving Vasquez. They moved Vasquez, therefore making Kevin Ploiecki in his 185 batting average the starting catcher for the Boston Red Sox. Now, in the illustrious uh, you know, two-decade history of the John Henry Fenway Sports Group ownership, they've always had a light-hitting backup catcher. They had Doug Marabelli for about seven years, only to catch Tim Wakefield. But there was a reason for that, because he had a big glove and could kind of catch a knuckleball. That's what he was there for. But in this particular instance, you have Ploiecki, who can't hit, and basically only caught Evaldi. He's now your catcher. So they need another catcher. So what do they do? They trade Jake Diekman, who was signed this past offseason for way too much money. Turns out he stinks. They moved him to Chicago, and in return, they got a backup catcher. Some bum named Reese McGuire, whose claim to fame is that he was caught jerking off in his Mercedes SUV, pants off in the car. Literally, pants off. He had no pants on, jerking off in the car. On a Friday at 2 p.m. in a Dollar Tree parking lot. What the fuck? What the fuck? Now, look, I, I, I understand that you sort of, you, you pay your penance, you, you serve your time, et cetera, et cetera. But these are the kind of things that if you're a, uh, a professional baseball club, you would look at and be, yeah, I don't think we want to bring that in. And he could be a nice guy. I don't know him. Don't know anything about him. Could be a wonderful young man. Doesn't change the fact that he was caught jerking off in a Dollar Tree parking lot. What are we doing here? And I mentioned Tommy Pham. They bring in Tommy Pham, who uh, his uh, his claim to fame this particular season is that he slapped another player on an opposing team because he didn't like a fantasy football transaction from last year. Ugh. The worst part about it is is that you have no idea what the team is doing. You literally have no clue. 
no one outside of a very small number of people within uh, the Red Sox organization has a goddamn clue as to what they're doing, what their philosophy is. Do they have an actual philosophy? Is there a plan to just, I don't like compete, and I put that in quotes, compete enough to create the illusion of actually giving a shit? Because it is fairly evident that they're keeping a closer eye on the bottom line of Fenway Sports Group than the Major League Baseball American League East standings. So if that's the case, why not say it? Why not come out and say, look, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at the bottom line. We're keeping an eye on our uh, fucking balance sheet right now. We have some talent. Uh, we have enough. We have enough talent to, to challenge for this fucking Fakakta third wild card bullshit that they just created. I mean, do they really think that if they're honest, that it's going to keep people out of that shithole of a building? I mean, it's entirely possible because we saw it. Uh, what twenty nineteen? But, I mean, I'd venture a guess that Heim Bloom teaches his children to tell the truth, so why can't he do it? Just be honest. Or, if you're not going to be honest about it, at least give me a fucking, give me a philosophy. Give me a, what are the Boston Red Sox today? What are they? The idiot gives a fuck, and I, I, I don't want to call him an idiot because he's not stupid. He's not a stupid person. I just don't like him as a... He's not the general manager. He's the vice president of baseball ops. Because with these fucking nerds and, and dorks, you can't call them GMs anymore. You got to give them a fancier title. Mike Felger loves to call them clones, and he's so 10,000% correct. Every one of these hotshot fucking uh, baseball executives in the league are all the same guy. They're white. They're in their 30s or early 40s. Uh, what do you say? Close cropped haircut. And they're all from Yale. They're all the same fucking guy. There's no one thinking outside. The, you know who thinks outside the box? The Phillies, because it's Dave Dombrowski, who's an old school baseball guy. That's it. There's nobody else that is thinking that way. The the You have the owner of the team, John Henry, talking about, uh, you know, how much it costs to pay all the analysts and all the fucking uh, numbers dorks that they have within the Red Sox. And, and, and it's costing more for those guys. So they might have to, uh, you know, cut corners on salaries. It's just, I don't know, like, what does this team actually care about right now? And why does it seem that they care more about what happens three to five years down the road instead of today? Like I'm, I'm done. I was kind of done with Hein Bloom last year, but I'm, I'm really done with him now. And you're gonna, you're gonna hear a lot of people, maybe him included, start crowing about Eric Hosmer when they got Hosmer completely by accident, completely by accident. And my guess is he would have gone someplace else that was on his, uh, you know, acceptable trade partner list. 
you know, but but Bloom was willing to throw in their 11th ranked prospect in order to get it done. And then they got two more, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel Astros, uh, I mean, Padres prospects to go with the two bottom of the barrel uh, Astros guys they got for Vasquez. Oh, excuse me. The whole thing stinks. I mean, they're not paying Hosmer anything to fill the knee. They created a bigger hole behind the plate. I mean, the the offense is the same. Vasquez and Hosmer this year were relatively the same. You didn't get any pitching help whatsoever. But he's up there talking about how guys are coming back from injury. Like, I don't really fucking care. And then Rich Hill goes out today and gets fucking shelled. Rich Hill, I don't even, I have zero problem with Rich Hill. You want to know why? Because he shouldn't even be here. He's 42 years old. The Boston Red Sox, the Boston fucking Red Sox, should not be signing 42-year-old Rich Hill to be their, you know, essentially their third starter, fourth starter. It shouldn't happen. I heard Jared Carabas today talking about how he, he's like, I miss the Red Sox. And I'd never really thought of that. And it makes perfect sense. I miss the Red Sox too. I fucking miss them. I miss what they used to be, which wasn't even that long ago. That's the part that kills me. But you know what? I'm done with this fucking guy. I'm done with Blue. Done. Like, give me fucking... <laughs> Dig up... Dig up the uh, the decomposed corpse of Lou Gorman. He'd be a better GM than fuck. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Vice President of Baseball Ops, Heim Bloom, because at least he gave a shit. And I, I got sidetracked talking about Bloom's uh, press conference yesterday when when he said that the the Baseball Ops team was going to go have some adult beverages, as if they fucking did anything. What the fuck did they do? Like, did you kind of make the team a little bit better? That's a that's a flip of the coin. That's a giant fucking maybe. Personally, I think they're worse. They're worse. They brought in the fucking clown puncher to be the backup catcher, the fucking crazy slap guy to be a fourth outfielder. Uh, and you took out a very, very popular starting catcher who this season has been a a top five to top 10 catcher in the league. He didn't make the all-star team. He probably should have. So you figure, you know, two catchers on each side, uh, you know, he should have been in there. So I'm going to say he's at least a top six catcher in, in the league. It's just, it's fucking, it's a shame. Because now we've we've grown so accustomed to what the Red Sox should be and can be at this point. So for them to not be that is fucking infuriating. It's infuriating. And as someone who really should not care, and I, I try so hard to not care. I try so fucking hard, yet there I am watching every fucking night. And I don't, I don't watch whole games anymore. I can't do it. Like, I'm not watching the game that's going on right now as I'm recording this. Because I can't. But I still watch a lot of it. And I'm a fucking sucker. I am a sucker. 
not only am I supporting the team, I'm supporting Jeremy Jacobs and his fucking stupid, uh, stupid channel. God damn. <laughs> I hate it sometimes. I really do fucking hate it. In closing, though, so I need to know what their actual philosophy is. Tell me what it is the Boston Red Sox are today. Tony Maz yesterday on, on Felgram Maz said something that really made sense. He was talking about the Mookie Betts trade and what they got back from Mookie Betts, which was Verdugo, Jeter Downs, Connor Wong, and I think it was Duran. And he said, quote, how do they identify a guy like Jeter Downs as a player they actually want? End quote. Jeter Downs is not a major league ball player. He's not. He's a pinch runner at best, uh, an occasional fill-in, you know, fifth infielder, maybe. At, at best, he's a light-hitting platoon player. And they traded a guy who was an MVP, could be an MVP again. And they got a triple-A catcher, a triple-A platoon guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm fucking stupid. I, I can't remember if, if Duran was a part of the deal or not. But they got Verdugo, who is a starting left fielder. Of the bunch, Verdugo is the only one who's any good. And he's, he's an okay player. But did they really look at, at Jeter Downs, watch him play baseball, and say, yep, that's a guy we want? Or did they just fucking look at a computer screen and decide that that was a guy that they should target? Because Maz's point was very sound, which is none of these guys are actually watching these minor league players. None of them. All they're doing is looking at numbers. Maybe, you know, they, they're going to watch highlights, they're going to watch video, but they're not watching they're not sitting there talking to scouts or watching games. Uh, Bloom hasn't scouted anybody ever. I could be wrong, but that's a guess. That And that's, that's my thinking. Just tell me what the Red Sox are now. Tell me what they are, and let's fucking move on. Because I don't think they have a fucking clue what they are right now. Dave, Gangsley. Uh just came back from having a couple of work periods. I'm almost home. I mean, I was listening to City Pod to see if I want to drive off a cliff. Luckily, I didn't yet. But here's my responses to some of the things you just discussed, my friend. One, I totally agree about the whole urine and it, anything you wanted to sit on you. I would see my pants instantly. So I hear you there. Two, I don't know why you fucking guys go with your wives to a strip club. That is just banana land to me. I keep my debauchery to myself. And three, you're a sucker for even taking the bait from your wife. It was her birthday, bro. And that's all on you, man. I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you there. That was just, you fell for the bait. All right, later. Another visit from uh, our friend Scott Banksley chiming in on last week's episode where I uh, discussed the, uh, Strip club nonsense. Oh, that was last week or the week prior. I don't know. I can't remember. It might have been the week prior. It doesn't matter. Uh, a couple things. 
Uh, I'm glad to see he's in agreement with me uh, having to uh, urinate during a lap dance. That was not good. Very uncomfortable. Two, uh, taking our wives to a strip club. Uh, honestly, if you've been to that strip club recently, you would know. And I, I don't I don't know if Scott has or not. He might have, but it, it doesn't hold the same um, allure. And it doesn't have the same cachet that it once did. You know, it doesn't. When you're in your 20s, a strip club is, is much, much different than when you're in your 40s. You know, unless you're a complete sociopath and you think these broads are going to actually fuck you, in which case that's another issue. But uh, it's more for the people watching than anything else. And then finally, he said that I was a sucker for taking the bait. In my defense, I don't think my wife was was thinking in, in that term, like trying to test me. Um, and as I've mentioned, all she had to do was say no, and it wouldn't have been the end of that. But again, I've accepted the uh, you know the fact that I shouldn't have done it. I'm terribly sorry. I apologize. Well, it won't happen again. Definitely won't happen again. But um, yeah, I don't know. That is on me. So what can you do? And, but again, I, I laid out my excuses <laughs> as best I could. <laughs> and uh, that's where we are. So, yeah. Um, all right. So I do have uh, some other voicemails. Let's get to them. Dave, it's Donnie calling from the car. Uh, wanted to call in about an observation I had last night. Uh, I had at the Black Keys concert over at Braidwoods. And uh, now I'm not really knowing too many Black Keys songs. Apparently I do know a lot of Black Keys songs. Uh, probably the band that gets played on the most car commercials that there is. I think there's a draw there over the connection between whole Counting Crows being the most popular retail band. We have Black Keys, the most common car commercial band. Um, anyways, wanted your take on it. See if it was uh, something that you noticed as well. Ta-ta. Thank you, as always, to um, probably biggest fan of the show, Donnie. Thank you very much. And Donnie's on to something here. Whoa. So I went, through, I went through and tried to find like Black Keys songs because again, same thing uh, as Donnie. Admittedly, don't know much about the Black Keys, and then you hear a bunch of songs, and you're like, "Oh, I know that. It was in a fucking Ford commercial, or oh, it was in a Dodge commercial. Oh, it was in that fake used car ad with Bob Odenkirk ten plus years ago." It's funny because the first time I ever heard the Black Keys was in. Um, I think it was a FIFA game probably around the same time, 10 years ago. That's pretty funny. Uh, I, I did a quick Google search of, you know, Black Keys car commercials, and seems that's a well-known gag. There's a, um, you know, faux news site, music news site. They have a tweet from three years ago that, that just said, Black Keys stopped beating around the bush and titled new single, quote, Ford commercial, end quote. It's pretty good. Yeah. They've been in a bunch of commercials. They were in Rock Band too, I think. Uh, they were in a Subaru commercial at one point. They just love... They love commercializing their music, apparently. Whatever. 
So, you know, honestly, it could be that the Black Keys... Well, here's the difference, right? I think the Counting Crows have, have been the kings of retail completely by accident, where they're, they may have done one of these things where they've licensed songs to a variety of different uh, outlets who have then added their songs to these uh, Muzak playlists at Bed Bath & Beyond and Target, etc. Whereas the Black Keys are literally licensing their music for particular commercials and it seems that it's in a variety of different car ads what can you do <laughs> honestly it's so stupid i'm looking at another ad uh, another article in the end of the article the line says the black keys didn't sell out they just got heard they're not wrong <laughs> they just stink I don't know I'm not, I'm not a fan but then again I, I could be like Donnie where I end up at a Black Keys show someday be like fuck I know 8 of these songs just from watching TV I know 30 seconds of 8 songs <laughs> oh fuck you Black Keys I don't know what the fuck so the Black Keys Kings of the Carad the Counting Crows, the kings of retail. Huzzah. Hi, my name's Heather. I'm a new listener, and I was encouraged to call in because of this incident I just had at the grocery store. So I understand that all grocery stores are trying to save the planet now, and they're under that new initiative. But then they started using the paper bags, but they don't give you handles. So I don't understand why they didn't just take Trader Joe's brandmark, trademark name, and just put handles on the bag. Instead, Star Market decides to give you one single paper bag, no handles, overstuff it, and then just hand it to you that you then have to underscoop to hold it. If it moves just even an inch, you're going to lose everything you bought, which is what happened to me when I walked up to my apartment stairs and the rotisserie chicken literally ripped through the bag and fell down the stairs, and now I can no longer use it. And then on top of that, I now have no plastic bags for my bathroom trash and, like, those little trash cans. And so instead of reusing and saving the environment in my own way, I now have to go out and buy plastic bags that are new to then put in these trash cans. So I feel like the whole thing just doesn't work. And especially if the handle thing really pissed me off because if you're not going to put handles on it, at least double bag it. It's literally physics to see if it's going to work or not. And they were just like, you know what? I think 10 pounds can fit through this one piece of paper. I think it'll hold it. It's, just, it's absolutely ridiculous. So let me know your thoughts. <laughs> All right. Thanks for letting me complain. Yes. Thank you. Heather, thank you so much. Um, I don't know Heather. This is, you know, completely random. I don't think it's completely random because I think Donnie knows Heather, but still, not the point. Donnie doing what he's told to do at the end of every episode. Tell your friends. Thank you. And then Heather comes and, and brings the kind of shit, the kind of petty shit that I'm looking for. Because this is 1,000% correct on a number of different levels, okay? Her and I are on the same page when it comes to the getting rid of plastic bags, okay? I get that. That makes perfect sense. But the way that the, the, the baggers at these grocery stores handle 
a plastic bag is baffling. It's baffling. Because you cannot overstuff these bags, right? If you do, you're fucked. Just like Heather was, where you have... There's nothing worse than buying the rotisserie chicken at the grocery store and then uh, taking it out of the bag and there's a pool of chicken goo at the bottom of the bag. This was in the plastic bag days. It was because it always came out of that. It's a very hot chicken, so you're going to get condensation or the or the cover's going to open up and it's going to slosh around. Next thing you know, you got chicken goo in the bottom of the bag. So now the chicken goo is on the bottom of the uh, rotisserie chicken container. It gets all in your fridge. It's gross. It, it gets, you know, coagulated and uh, it, it's not it's not good. So when someone purchases a fucking chicken at a grocery store. That should be an automatic double bag. Automatic double bag. And it's funny, I went to uh, to Trader Joe's today. They double bag everything automatically. It doesn't fucking matter what you get. I mean, I didn't have any... Um, I had a couple of frozen things and a couple of refrigerated things, but most of the stuff that I had was, you know, standard grocery fare. They double bagged it. Gave me two bags, double bagged, with handles, off I go. There's a lot there. There's so much meat on that bone. No. <laughs> uh, and no pun intended with the uh, rotisserie chicken business, but um, you'll never see, you'll never see one of the big supermarket chains add handles to their bags because it costs you know, one twenty-fifth of one cent per bag more than a current bag. So they're not going to do it. So, you know, I, I think I think there are two ways to handle it, okay? Now, Heather, you really should have reusable bags. Uh, my wife and I have about 50,000 of these fucking things. How we got them, I'm not sure. We just, we just have a fucking ton of them. So bring your own bags. Because then if they overfill those bags, at least they have handles. Okay? And now you're not stuck with a bunch of paper bags. Easily recyclable bags. But there's no... It's not like you have another use for it, right? If you have kids and you want to... If you, if you need uh, book covers... <laughs> Then okay, paper bags are great. How about that? That just dawned on me. What the fuck did kids use to cover their books when, when it was all plastic bags? <laughs> what a skill that was back. That kind of goes to my gripes. So I'll save that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the plastic bag initiative, I understand. But again, like Heather mentioned, where now she doesn't have plastic bags for her tiny trash bag, um, trash barrel, which, you know, is, is true because I have the same problem. Uh, we have two cats now, two kittens, and these little fuckers, uh, they shit and piss like crazy and they stink. And with my past cats, I would just take a plastic bag. And clean the little box and, you know, put it in the plastic bag and off I go. But now I'm struggling to find a plastic bag. And so to the point where we had to order, we ordered, um, like, compostable plastic bags just to put cat shit in. 
Oh, man. That was a great call. What a fucking perfect... Honestly, it is the kind of call that I'd envisioned for the last two years where some person that I don't know calls in and complains about something entirely petty like handles on a plastic on a, on a paper bag and plastic bags in general. It was just absolutely perfect. Although she did throw physics in at the end of that, which, you know, makes it she's far too smart for the, for the demographic of this program. But again, Heather, thank you. And I will tell you the same thing that I tell Donnie uh, and everyone else every week. Please, for the love of Christ, tell your friends. Give everyone you know that, that phone number and say, hey, anytime you, you feel the need to complain and there's no one around, call this number. It's therapeutic. The the dumb asshole that's on the other end of this particular show will, will, will love you for it. So thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. All right, as it is Wednesday, uh, it is time for everyone's most favorite part of the program. Uh, it's almost over. And three gripes. Gripe number one. Uh, this is a repeat gripe, but throwing trash in the street. Uh, this was a gripe that I made originally probably back in May or June of 2020 when I was going for my uh, daily walk around the neighborhood when it was nice and quiet. No one was around. Pandemic, honestly, was... For someone who, you know, doesn't really enjoy people, the pandemic was excellent. Except for the fact that people died. I've, I've established this fact. But anyways, uh, throwing trash in the street. So uh, originally I had said that, you know, I, I kept finding discarded masks all over the side of the road. Well, now, on my walks in, in our new neighborhood here, which not nearly as convenient. And the previous neighborhood had a much better walk set up. It's a cul-de-sac. Could walk around it once and it was like a mile or twice. It was like, you know, 2.15 or whatever. Now I got to do some facocta nonsense with this, some hills and shit. And I don't really like it. But, you know, I'm fat and I need to exercise. So off I go. Anyways, now I'm seeing, especially lately, the number of, of water bottles, um, beer, beer cans, just general trash that I'm seeing on the side of the street is appalling. It's a ton. It makes no fucking sense. What kind of fucking slob do you have to be in, in 2022 to still be throwing your trash out the window as you're driving your car? What kind of piece of shit does that? That's a dead serious question. What kind of piece of shit throws trash out of that car? Like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what we need and we haven't had in a very long time is more PSAs on television. Where is fucking Woodsy to come out, bounce around, and say, give a hoot, don't pollute? What the fuck happened that all these PSAs don't exist anymore? I'd love to, I can't remember what Woodsy was actually associated with, but, you know, here I am. I'm 44 years old, and I remember fucking Woodsy telling me not to pollute as a young boy when I was watching cartoons on a Saturday morning. That's the other problem. There's no Saturday morning cartoons. It's going to lead into my next fucking gripe, but whatever. Uh, don't fucking throw trash out your window. Don't be a fucking animal. Uh, you're an adult. Honestly, keep your fucking shit in your car. 
it, it kind of goes the same thing. Don't be drinking beers in your car uh, and throwing the beers out your window. You know what the worst is when you see like a white claw? Like what kind of fucking loser is going to drive around drinking a white claw? Really? Get fucked, buddy. Or, yeah, it doesn't matter. I can say buddy for a guy or a girl, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. Get fucked. Grape number two, nostalgia. I hate when you get that that pang of nostalgia, when you start thinking of something you're longing for uh, days gone by. I, I wish I could remember, like, the exact reasoning behind this particular grape, but... And it seems, based on this show, that there's been a lot of it, as I just got done talking about Woodsy from the early 1980s. But you start longing for, for the past, and which is stupid, because, you know, and I, I've realized over the course of the last, I don't know, couple of months or so now that, you know, living in the past is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And to look back fondly may not make a ton of sense either, but at the same, but it, I don't think it really does a ton of harm. It's just, I don't think it's really worth living uh, for, for nostalgia. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, mm, let me try to figure out where I'm going here. I would hope that somebody listening to this that's my age or close to my age would have a, a general sense of what I'm trying to get at. But I don't know if that's the case because my brain works in a very peculiar manner. I just don't think it's worth, uh, you know, leaving the present to spend time in the past. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. I, I know what I'm trying to say. It's just me. It, it might not be coming across the way that I'm thinking it's supposed to come across. Like, let's let's take, for example, uh, you know, you're going to see a band and it's a band that has been around for a while and they get back together. Right. You go to see him, and it's not as good as it used to be. So then you start sort of reminiscing about how it used to be and how good they used to be and what they did that one time you saw them years ago. It, it, it serves no purpose because that's it's gone. You enjoyed it at the time, and so what's the point of thinking about it now? doesn't make a ton of sense. You should not leave the present to visit the past. Or maybe not visit. Oh, see? <laughs> That's what happens when you don't fucking write anything down. When I don't have it scripted, oof, not good. Not good. You can visit the past, so you can think fond... See? See what I'm saying? You can think fondly of the past, but you can't live in the past. There it is. Maybe my band analogy wasn't that great. I don't know. I think part of the reason is that I've been sort of trying to forgive myself for past, uh, not mistakes, because I don't think that's the right word, but, you know, things I did in the past. Not good, both good and bad. Then again, I've never really done anything bad. I've done a lot of dumb shit, but never anything bad. So I'm attempting to forgive myself for, for things that I had done previously. And, and attempting to sort of uh, attempting to live in the present and to be mindful. That's that's what I'm attempting to do now. Is it working? Who knows? Sometimes, not all the time. 
but yeah, that's the real deep thought of the day with Dave Handy. Um, <clears throat> great number three, Alex Jones. Okay. Alex Jones. Let's talk briefly about Alex Jones, okay? On Twitter today, I called him a swollen tick, and I think I may have been doing swollen ticks a disservice by comparing the two. There are not many people uh, on planet Earth currently who are more vile than Alex Jones. He's a lie-peddling sack of shit um, who's in court today and has been for the last couple of days um, fighting a defamation. I think it's a defamation suit brought against him uh, by the parents of, of, of children killed at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School over a decade ago now. Because this fucking piece of dog shit has literally been peddling lies over the air on his show for years, trying to say that the the massacre at Sandy Hook was fake. And it has led to all kinds of problems for these parents because his listeners um, have been just destroying these people for years. And this man shows zero remorse. It literally took today, today, in court, where he's sitting on the fucking witness stand, under oath, for the second time now, because he was deposed originally, and when he was deposed, he's under oath as well. So he's under oath for a second time. He probably committed perjury the first time, but this time... He finally acknowledged that what happened at Sandy Hook was real. So all of this bullshit and all of the problems that this man caused these people, all in the name of profit for himself, there are not enough bad things that could happen to this man. And it's, look, it's one thing to be uh, a forgiving person. It's, you know, and some of these parents, I, I mean, I, I just... How they managed to get through a day, never mind a decade, is mind-blowing. One, one mother basically stood up and said, look, I, I, I forgive you, but you need to be held accountable. And then she said that she forgives Adam Lanza, the kid that went in and fucking shot all the kids. 20 fucking kids and six teachers. What? What? But again, you, you've progressed so far in life as a human being that you're able to say that. In open court, to the person who's been telling the world, well, not the world, but, you know, a lot of people, a lot of his followers for the last 10 years plus, that your son didn't exist and that your son was, wasn't real and really didn't get shot and killed. Unreal. And how this man has been able to get away with this for so long. And then, literally, yesterday and most of today probably thinking he was still getting away with it because the other day he's literally on his fucking show shit talking the judge shit talking the, the fucking uh the lawyer not i mean probably his lawyer who by the way is a complete fucking moron 
literally shared the contents of Alex Jones's phone, all the text messages. So there's fucking tons of text messages over the course of the last three years on 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 this, uh, basically a Dropbox that the other attorney has that he was given by Alex Jones's attorney. It's honestly, it's the most bananas thing I've ever seen. Well, now the January 6th committee is, is they want to take a look at these fucking messages, text messages, because my guess is that he knew something about, you know, since he was there, but fucking a, honestly, fuck this guy. And as I said, not, not enough bad things can happen to a person like that. Uh, I, I really hope that, um, he's found to be liable and, and, and has to pay $150 million because that's what the, uh, that's the amount that they're looking for. That's the amount of the suit, $150 million. I hope he loses. He cannot lose enough. And it, it, honestly, though, the way things are these days, it's not going to matter. He'll lose. Never pay a dime. Go back on on his show tomorrow, and as as if nothing happened. I hope he gets charged with perjury somehow, and I hope he fucking goes to jail. I doubt that's going to happen too, but one can never tell. All right, that's enough. I'm done talking about that fucking clown. Um, thank you as always uh, for listening to the program. It was a terrible show as always, except for my voicemail. So thank you, Scott, Donnie, Heather. Appreciate it. Please, as always, tell your friends. Tell your moms. Um, let, let's get people listening to the, at the very least, calling in, complaining. Leave a voicemail. Share your thoughts. Uh, let me be the arbiter of uh, any you know particular dispute that you might be having. Uh, any particular thoughts that are, that are milling about in your brain that you just need to get off your chest. Let me be that uh, sort of decider. Or, or <laughs> come, come to Reverend Dave and have him uh, absolve you of any uh, pettiness that you may have. So, uh, you can find me on Instagram at complaints pod. You can find me on Twitter at, at complaints pod. I have a fake Facebook page, but fuck Facebook. I have a YouTube page. I've done nothing with. I have a TikTok page. TikTok, tip top, tick, tick pop, tip pop. Too much talking. Uh, I have a TikTok page, uh, at complaints talk that I've done very little with. I have a Twitch channel that I can't figure out. Um, 617-657-4736. Call in. Leave a voicemail. You can send me a, uh, an email. Showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. Uh, I'm supposed to have a blog, but I don't really blog much. That's at complaintsandobservations.com. And, um, you know, if you want to be on the show, let me know. If you know somebody that wants to be on the show, let me know. Uh, Donnie, I'd like to get you and Bob on the show soon to talk about the album or the singles or whatever it is that you guys are fucking up to uh because uh, i like your music and i, I want to hear more of it so uh that's it thank you as always it's greatly appreciated um yeah take care of yourself take care of each other godspeed ta-ta